I know that for all of us, we probably have experienced at one point in time in our lives when someone told us to wake up. In fact, if you're a parent in the house, how many of you have had to ever wake up your kids? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, all right. So we all have different experiences with that wake-up moment, right? So when I go downstairs and I say to my boys, you know, it's a school day and I'm like, wake up, this is kind of the different responses. So I'll go into Gabe's room and I'll turn the light on in Gabe's room. I'll open the door, I'll turn the light on, and I'll, and I'll just, all I got to do is turn the light on. And Gabe does this, <laughs> kind of wakes up like that. And then Josiah, you know, like I'll go in his room, I'll turn the light on, and this is Josiah. And he just kind of gives me this. Uh. In fact, I think he's sleeping still. Kasha's out of town right now, and he had prom last night, and it was a really late night. I sent him a text this morning, are you coming to church? And all those things, and he still has not responded. So I think he is sleeping in bed right now. Someone should go over to my house and should go in there and go down to his bedroom and yell at him, wake up. In fact, if, if, you were, if you were in first gathering, just go to my house, 4551 North Club View, and just go and wake my son up. I think that would be awesome if someone went and did that. And, uh, and just make sure you record that moment. We'll show it next week if you, if you go. So just go down the stairs, right down the stairs. Make sure it's the right house. If you don't know which house it is, that may be awkward if you walk into someone's house. Anyways, okay, my wife's going to be like, I can't believe you did that. You're not here to actually keep me under control right now. Um, <laughs> No, I'm just joking. But um, no, I think all of us at one point in time have had a moment where we've had to wake somebody up. Um, you know, sometimes maybe you can relate to that because maybe you yourself have been woken up. And, and your response to a wake-up moment is this, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Come on, just five more minutes. How many of you are snoozers? Come on, like you hit the snooze button. Come on, raise your hand. Yep, yep. There is way more snoozers. Here's what's funny. This is funny. I asked that same question first gathering. Not very many hands went up. Second gathering, lots of hands. Lots of hands. That's because you guys were all hitting snooze this morning. You're like, dude, I, I was planning on coming to the 9, but I'm coming to the 11 now. I hit the snooze button too many times. Um, when I would go in and, and, and try to wake the boys up, they'll respond with things like, Dad, it's the weekend. They'll respond with, I'm tired. And, and I think for all of us, this idea of wake up is the thing I want to talk about today. We're starting a brand new series today called Battle Plans. And in this series, here's, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about this idea that you and I are each in a battle. We're in a battle right now. There's a battle that is waging for your life, for my life. It's the real deal battle, and the enemy wants to destroy your life. I'm not just saying that just to say it. It is the truth. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, come on, Pastor Brian, seriously. I'm serious. The enemy wants to destroy your life. There are, two, there are two teams. There's God's team and there's the enemy's team. You're either on God's team or you're on the enemy's team. Some of you are like, well, how do I get on God's team? We'll talk about that today. Because I'll tell you this, it's good to know you're on the winning team, right? It's good to know that you're on the winning team. Today, we celebrated where there was 11 people in this gathering, three people in the first gathering. That's 14 people who publicly today said, hey, you know what? I want everyone around me to know that I am going public for Jesus. It wasn't a moment of commitment there. It was a moment of going public there. The commitment to Christ happened beforehand. It was just simply people today saying, guess what? Today, I want everyone to know me. I'm going public for Jesus. I want people around me to know that I'm going to live for Jesus, that he's Lord of my life. It's those moments right there that every person who's a part of Bethany is attached to those stories. See, I want you to think about it this morning. Those stories, those moments with kids and, and, and students and, and even adults saying, I'm going public for Jesus, you're attached to that. Some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, well, that's great. I love hearing that. I love seeing their story. If you serve, if you give, if you're a part of Bethany Assembly, you're a part of that story. That's what I was telling our team this morning. I said, today you're going to see people going public for Jesus in baptism. And I want you to remember, you're a part of that story. You hold the door, you're a part of that story. You give, you're a part of that story. Why? Because we're all about creating an environment for people to take one step closer. And these people today took steps in their relationship with Christ, and you are a part of that. I thought you'd be a little more excited about that. You're a part of that. Each and every one of us are a part of that. Look at your neighbor right now and say this. Say, wake up. 
Come on, say, wake up! Now, if you're a college student in the house, and I know a lot of our college students uh, have gone back to their homes, they're not here in the area, but, but I'll, I'll say this, our college students have been operating on low amounts of sleep because of finals and graduation and stuff like that. That's probably why they're still sleeping right now, a lot of them. Or they got kicked out of their dorms and they can't be in the area anymore, so they're back home. Maybe they're watching online, so it's good to see you guys if you're still participating online. But here's what I know is each and every one of us in our lives are being called to wake up. I want to preach to you this morning from Romans chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Romans chapter 13. And we're going to look at the words of Paul that Paul's writing to the Roman church. And, and I think it's interesting that we find ourselves here in Romans 13 because we've been soaping, which is our daily scripture reading, and we've been soaping in Romans. We're in Joshua now, and so now we're in Joshua chapter 2 today. Uh, but we wrapped up Romans, and it was interesting because you look at the book of Romans and you see Paul's love for everyone. Paul's constantly calling the church, the body of Christ, to love not just those who look like them, act like them, think like them. Paul's saying, let's love each other. Let's love everyone around us. In fact, in Romans 13, what we see at the first part of the chapter, he's saying that each and every one of us are subject to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. He tells us how we are to actually honor those authorities, how we're to be subject to the authorities that God's placed in our lives. Then he goes on to say later, he talks about love, and he talks about the importance of love and how love in our neighbor is actually attached to this idea of what it means to be Christ-like. For you and I to love our neighbors is to show the love of Christ to others who are around us. Now, who are our neighbors? Our neighbors are, are people in our family. They're people who live right next door to us. They're our co-workers. It's anyone that we have relationship that's around us. Those are our neighbors, and we're instructed by God to love them. And then here later in verses 11 through 14, and this is what I want to focus in on, we are given this call by Paul to respond to the gospel. And, and I believe it's a response that actually has in it various steps that we can learn. So we're going to read it together and then we'll kind of unpack it. Does it sound good? Read it together and then unpack it. If, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Here we go. So Romans chapter 13 says this. Another reason for right living is this. You know how late it is? Time is running out. Wake up, for the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day of his return will soon be here. He says, so quit evil, quit the evil deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of right living as we who live in the daylight should. Be decent and true in everything, and do so that all can approve your behavior. He says, don't spend your time in wild parties and getting drunk or in adultery and lust or fighting or jealousy, but ask and the Lord Jesus Christ will help you live as you should. Don't make plans to enjoy evil. When I first was reading through this, my mind immediately just began to look at it and say, so what are the steps? If, if, if we're being called to wake up, what are the steps that we're being called to take? What, what does it mean to take one step closer in our relationship with Christ? People today took a step in water baptism. They took a huge step today going public for Jesus. But each and every one of us is called to sanctification, which is becoming more like Christ. We're, we're becoming more like him. When our lives are completely changed through a radical encounter with Jesus, our life continues to change as we become more like him. The problem is, is some of us are still asleep. Some of us are, are laying in bed. Here's what I know about sleep, okay? When you sleep, you dream. Some of us are in sleep mode and we're dreaming about all the things we could do for the kingdom. And yet God is saying, wake up. It's not time to lay in bed and sleep. It's actually time to put your hands to the things I've called you to do. There's a way for you and I to live. This past week, I had the privilege of, of sitting down with uh, a legend, someone who in my life I have a, a ton of respect for. I've read, I can't tell you how many of his books, but his name is John Maxwell. 
And I got the privilege of sitting down with him and a, and a group of about 30 other pastors. So it was a really small environment. And we're sitting in this, this uh, conference room at this hotel. And, and, and John is just pouring in. He's just pouring in and pouring in. And literally, I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose. I felt like someone was just like, here we go. Let's open it up and just, and we're, I'm just writing. I'm taking notes. But before I ever wrote one note, I wrote this in my journal. Humbleness is greatness. And it's interesting because I had just spent time with him at dinner the night before. I was watching his interactions with people. And what I saw was here is this hero of faith, this, this incredible man of God, this incredible leader, this author, writer, communicator. I mean, like, influencer around the world, sits down with presidents of countries to talk about what's happening in their countries. They're, they're teaching value-based curriculum inside of countries all around the world. Literally, the, the presidents of these countries are saying, John, would you and your team come and teach our people these values? Because we believe these values will change our people's lives. And little do those presidents know that those values are all found in the Word of God. And so John would say something like this to him. He would, he would tell them, hey, you know what? Today I want to talk to you about four principles that can change your life. And then he'll say this. He'll say, today we're going to talk about three of them. And people will sit there and they'll say, well, John, what's the fourth? And he'll share, you know, he'll share the first three. And then he'll say this. Hey, if you want to know about the fourth, depending on the environment, if it's a smaller group, he'll say at the end of it, if you want to hear about the fourth one, it has to do with my faith. It just wouldn't be appropriate to talk about it right now. You just go ahead and drop me your business card. And he said, business leaders, Muslims, people from around the world will come up to him and hand him their business card. And he says, afterwards, I'll sit down, I'll share my faith story. And he said, many of those people that I share my faith story end up giving their heart to Christ. And he said, but then the other ones, when it's a larger group environment, he says, I'll look at them and I'll say this, hey, come back tonight. I'm gonna share that fourth key. And he says, I, I call them leave them hungry statements. These statements where it's like people are hungry for more of the gospel. And can I remind you, the world is hungry for truth. The world is looking for it. Listen, I'm telling you, the world is hungry for truth. They are looking for the answer. And the world is saying, here's the answer. This is the answer. This is the answer. And people keep going down those paths only to find that it's not the answer. People are looking for the true answer. The true answer is Jesus Christ. It's faith in him and him alone. And what happened was John was sitting there in these moments and he's talking through that. And he said, I have seen thousands, hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus in my ministry. Hundreds of thousands. And he says, the one thing, he says, the one thing that I want my life to be known for, my one goal is this. It's not leadership. It's not writing another book. He says, my one goal is to bring people to Jesus. That's my one goal. He said, my one goal is to bring more people to Jesus. More people to Jesus. More people to Jesus. And I was sitting there in those sessions and all I could think about was, wake up! Because it's time to bring people to Jesus. Come on, church, wake up! The gospel was not given so you could just continue to grow in your understanding. Yes, you can grow in your understanding, but it was never meant to be about just you. It was about what you would give to others. The gospel has always been, the good news has always been about you and I taking in and then giving out. Your life was changed. Jesus died up on the cross, not just for you, but for your neighbor and for your coworker and your family members and each and every boy and every girl and every person who's out there and those who are confused and those who right now are lost and those who are addicted to various things. God came to set them free. But the question comes down to is, will you wake up? And Paul is challenging the Romans to wake up like he's challenging us today to wake up. So I, I grew up north of Chicago in Zion, Illinois. And uh, so growing up in Zion, Illinois, that meant that um, you were going to be a Bears fan, Chicago Bears fan. Come on now. This was back in the day with the Super Bowl shuffle is kind of when my era was. And, and then you had Walter Payton. Anyone know who Walter Payton is? Man, come on. Walter Payton is one of the greatest running backs of all time. And uh, I remember just, you know, hearing about him as a kid. I remember just thinking about that. Um, 
in, in our moments. And, and I was doing a little bit of research on Walter Payton, and I came across some really interesting things about Walter Payton. The one thing is this, is that Walter Payton, when he was in high school, actually, didn't play his first two years of football. Walter Payton was in the band. Come on now, how many of my band people out there? Come on, you play. Come on now. It's okay. Be proud. Be proud of that. Could you imagine if today we didn't have musicians who were up here able to play? It would be a little bit more awkward. But man, when you got people who can play music, it's phenomenal. Walter Payton was in the band. His junior year, though, he decided to go out for football. I'm sure that if you look at his size and strength and all those things, it would just make sense. And he went out and someone asked Walter Payton, they did a follow-up. They said, Walter, they said, would you tell us when do you think you became great? You're known as the greatest running back of all time. Like, when did you become great? And he looked at this reporter and he said this. He said, I can tell you when I became great. He said it was when I was a junior in high school. He said, the coach had told us that we were to go and after each practice, we were to go and run the hill behind the practice field 25 times. He said, the first time I went out with my teammates to go to that hill, he said, I realized that many of them weren't running and most of them never completed the 25. In fact, most of them, after two to three times up, went back to the locker room. He said, it was in that moment where I was tempted to follow suit. But he said, I decided not to. And he said, every day I would go to that hill and I would run the 25 times up and down that hill and I would come to the locker room. And he said, it was in those moments, the 25 times up and down the hill when no one else would. That's when greatness was formed. And when I read that, I couldn't help but think about each and every one of us. It's in the moments where we do what no one else is willing to do. When we wake up, when we actually decide that our stories matter, when we decide that we're going to love authentically, when we decide to live generously, when we decide to take steps together, when we decide that our lives are going to be about creating unforgettable experiences for others, when we make those decisions to invest in the next, it's in those moments, actually, where you and I are like going to the hill and running 25 times when no one else is willing to. Someone asked me a while back, they said, you know, Pastor Brian, why do you think God called you to Bethany? And I know you've heard this before, but I just believe God's saying, listen, I called you to Bethany because here I want to do a work in Bethany that only I get the credit for. Listen, it's not about big city. It's not about, well, they had the most successful. They had the most money. They had this, they had that. No, it really is about the fact that Jesus Christ, I believe, wants to pour his spirit out upon Lenaway County, upon this area, and he wants to use our church. I believe he wants to do great things in and through our church. And so Walter Payton ran and said that's when greatness was formed. But see, what we like to do is we like to look at Walter's stats. We like to look at his stats and see that his total rushing yards were 16,726. That his receiving yards were 4,538. That means that was a total of 21,264 yards. And we love to celebrate the stats, but what we don't celebrate is the fact that that means that he was probably brutally tackled over 9,000 times. Think about that. Brutally tackled over 9,000 times. Basically, over 9,000 times he was crushed by his opponents who wanted to what? Kill him. You don't play at that level of football and just think, you know what, I'm just going to just, just kind of just tackle him real nicely. No, we love watching those moments where like, oh, snap, did you see that? We cry when someone breaks their leg or something like that, but when we see it, we're like, ooh, it's kind of cool. <laughs> they were trying to kill him. Over 9,000 times, that's what that meant. But you know what? Walter Payton had a motto, and this was, this was Walter Payton's motto. His motto was this, never die easy, always get up, never quit, keep on trying. 
And I was thinking about that. And I was like, man, I, that, that is such a great motto. Never die easy. Always get up. Never quit. And keep on trying. And here's what I was challenged with. If Walter Payton can have that same determination to wake up and every morning say, you know what, never, I'm not going to die easy. I'm going to always get up. I'm never going to quit. And I'm going to keep on trying. If he can do that for football, we the church can do that for the gospel. We the church can be people who can say, you know what, today I ain't going to die easy. Today I, nope, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get up today. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on trying. Man, today, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to die easy. I'm going to get up. I'm never going to quit. I'm going to keep on trying. And then the next day, what are you going to do? You're going to never die easy. You're going to always get up. You're never going to quit. And you're going to keep on trying. And you're going to just keep going. And you're going to keep going. And you're going to keep going. And it's going to be something that is going to erupt inside of you that will change it. It is consistency over time that will pay off. It is the individuals in life who will wake up every morning and say this, today, I'm not going to die easy. And today, I'm always going to get up. And today, I'm never going to quit. And today, I'm going to keep on trying. And that, I believe, is what the church has been called to. The world around us is looking for an authentic church who will say, today, I'm not going to die easy. Today, I'm going to always get up. Today, I'm never going to quit. And today, I'm going to keep on trying. Paul is saying to you and I, wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Come on, you said it like a pansy. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Come on, wake up. See, some of us, we're still sleeping in the trenches. Some of us, we don't even recognize that we're in the battle right now. You're in the battle. You're in the trenches right now. The battle is waging around you. And you're like, you know what, can I just sit back in the bunker? Can I, can I just go to the safe spot? Can, can you not put me on the front line? Can we actually go back? I, like, I kind of like to be at, you know, HQ, back, back there where it's safe. There's, you know, there's not a whole lot of attack coming and everything. That, that's where I would like to be. And some of us as Christians have thought that the place that we were supposed to be is back at headquarters. So we're like, oh, I'll just go to church. And if I just go to church, that's, that's the only place I need to be. And then I'll just stay separate from the rest of the world all week long. And then I'll go to church. I'll go back to headquarters. And then I'll just, I, I won't engage in anything all week long. And then the next week, what will I do? I'll go back to headquarters and I'll just sit there and we'll just keep learning and we'll keep growing. And we're like, oh man, I am the best Christian ever. And here's the real sign if you're the best Christian ever is how many Christians have you taken along on the journey with you? I'm telling you, that's what you will be judged by. God's not going to be up in heaven and be like, you have the whole Bible memorized? I'm so impressed. Come on in. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a lot of people. I, I think it's gonna, we're going to be really surprised. There's going to be some people who come in and it's going to be like, boom, red carpet out. They're going to be like, so-and-so is arriving at uh, gate three, gate three, so-and-so is arriving, uh, fanfare party over there at gate three, and we're going to watch this person who just developed relationships with people, and sat down and heard their stories, and just led one person after one person after one person to Jesus. And they didn't worry so much about having all the knowledge, they just said, Holy Spirit, I just, I just want you to use me flow through me. I'll go to another country. I'll be a missionary. I'll be undercover in my workplace for you. I believe it's those people that those moments are going to happen. You may say, well, Pastor Brian, tell me where that happens in the Bible. I can't give you verse. <laughs> I can't sit there and say this, but here's what, I, here's what I think. I believe that it's those, it's the people that we take to heaven with us. That's what matters. It's not about how much knowledge you gain. I'm not saying don't gain knowledge, but if the purpose of knowledge is so you can be like, I have more knowledge, that's not any good. But if the purpose of the knowledge is, is I want to know more about Christ so I can give it away to other people so that I can have a greater understanding, then that right there is what it's about, folks. And Paul is reminding us here in this passage, he's saying, listen, don't quit. Don't die. Don't don't, don't give up. Always keep trying. He's saying to us, wake up. 
And here's what I found. I, I believe there's six steps here that I want to share with you. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Six steps that we'll unpack today that I believe can help you and I walk out our faith. The first is this. It's step one. It's pretty simple. Wake up. Wake up. Some of us are sleeping and God is saying wake up. Step two is this. It's quit evil. Quit evil. I'll unpack that here in a second. Number three, step three is this, is put on. Step number four is be. Step number five is don't. And step number six is ask. So let's break this down. We're going to break it down by the passage that we just read here in Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. So it starts off. Step one is wake up. He says this, another reason for right living is this. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day of his return will soon be here. What is Paul reminding us about? Paul is saying time's short, folks. I know you think you got all the time in the world. It's like, well, if I could just gain more understanding, if I could get a little bit more understanding of who Christ is, then I'll share my faith. Paul is reminding us, you ain't got time. Paul's saying, the time is now. Wake up, church. And I'm telling you, the time is now. The time is now. Every day, every day, time is ticking away. Every day, time is ticking away. I think of it, I grew up in the church, so I think of DC Talk. And everyone first got and told me, DC Talk, time is ticking away. Time is ticking away. Anyways, I go back to my old school Christian, you know, some of you are like, dude, I don't know what he's talking about. I didn't listen to that. I called it rap in the first gathering. Someone told me that is incorrect. That is just Christian music is what that is. That's not true rap. So, sorry. Sorry, Penny. I wasn't even going to call you out, but you threw your hands up in the air like that. I got to call you out. He's like, I called you out. <laughs> but seriously, time is ticking away. Every day, we are closer to Jesus returning. Every day, we are closer to Jesus returning. Every day, we are closer to that trumpet sounding and the dead in Christ which are alive, uh, or <laughs> the dead in Christ. The dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. Sorry. Um, yeah, the dead. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> so I was saying it wrong. Uh, Revelation twenty two twelve says this. Behold, I am coming soon. This is Jesus saying this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, I just said it. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry, a command with the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. Listen, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. And every day we are closer and closer to him coming back. When Paul writes these words to the Romans, and think about it, that's, that's been quite some time ago. And what is he saying? Listen, guys, I'm telling you, the time is near. Come on, we don't have time. The time is now. The time, the time is running out. And I'm telling you today, time is running out. If you look at the book of Revelation, you see many of the things. Like, I'm not surprised that things around us are getting worse. Why? Because the Bible actually talks about it. When evil is running all amok, when people are confused, when people don't even understand things that we would have thought maybe were simple things. The confusion around us is so great. I'm telling you, the times are showing that God is coming back. It's interesting because earlier in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What's it talking about? It's talking about this idea that it's going to come in a way that we'd never even anticipated. Jesus is coming and we're, be given, we're being given this picture of this thief in the night. And what Paul is reminding us about is, listen, he's saying, listen, it's time to wake up. Step number two is this. It's quit evil. It's interesting. The passage says, so quit the evil deeds of darkness. Now, the Bible is full of examples of darkness. 
If you were to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, you would see that it's challenging us to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. And then it goes on to spell out what the deeds of darkness are. It says sexual immorality, greed, uh, foolish talk, idolatry. It's talking about these things that are evil. And it's saying, quit doing evil things. Can I encourage you with something this morning? Quit doing evil. Because here's what I know. Some of us are like, well, I have freedom in Christ. Yes, you have freedom in Christ. But wake up and quit doing evil. Quit acting that way. Because here's the problem. Society is looking at the church and they're saying, I don't know if what you have is real. I'm hungry for something that's real, but I'm really confused because you say you love Jesus, but you're still sleeping with your girlfriend. You say you love Jesus, but you're going out and getting drunk. You say you love Jesus, but you're cheating on your taxes. You say you love Jesus, but you're gossiping. You say you love Jesus, but you're cheating your work. You say you love Jesus, fill in the blank of evil things that keep happening in our lives. And the world is saying, I want what you have. I'm hungry for something that's truth, but I'm confused because you and I keep doing evil things and it's confusing to the world. Because they're saying, you say one thing, but you're doing another thing. And we justify it because we say this, for by grace I've been saved, that not of myself, it is the gift of God. God has given me grace. And his grace is sufficient. But I think Paul is dealing with that all throughout Romans. He's dealing through it with all throughout Romans. And he's saying, listen, you've been saved by grace. Yes, salvation has been given to you. But it isn't so that we continue to sin all the more. It's so you can actually be set free from sin. Quit sinning. And I know it's like, Pastor Brian, come on, seriously. Uh, yes. Now, now, here's what happens, though. Some of us, though, we, we look at them and we go, okay, Pastor Ryan, you're right. I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to quit evil. But what you're willing to quit is what you would call the big sins. The, the bad sins. You know, the really big ones. So I'm not going to murder. Decided I'm a Christian. I'm not going to murder. Good. That's good. But what about Gossip. What about lying? What about cheating? What about gluttony? What about the, the, the smaller things that we don't like to talk a whole lot about? What about those sins? We can say, oh, I'll quit these really evil things, the things that we consider really evil. But here's the thing. All of us have different ideas and standards to what evil really is. We don't base things off of our standard of what evil is. We base the standard off of what God says evil is. We quit evil. But, but here's what I know is that in order to quit evil, you, you got to skip the steps. So let me, I know we're not supposed to do this, but let's skip to step number six. Because step number six is actually the key with how we actually quit evil. Here's what it, we ask. The passage of scripture says this, but ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should and don't make plans to what? Enjoy evil, it says. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should and don't make plans to enjoy evil. We have got to ask God to help us in this season. Listen, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You need God's help. I need God's help, each and every one of us. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we ask. We say, God, hey, here's this area that I've been struggling in. Some of you have been struggling in the area for a really long time. And the devil likes to come in and beat you up on it because he says, you've been asking God. You think that you've been set free, but you keep struggling with it. Why? Some of us got to keep asking. I'm going to tell you, keep asking and keep asking, and every day you'll become more and more like him. And eventually you'll look back and you'll say, man, you know what? That very thing that I was really struggling with a really long time ago, I've been asking God every day and every moment to help me in that area. And all of a sudden now, that thing that used to be a struggle is not a struggle anymore. 
It's consistency over time. It's those moments of continuously asking and saying, God, today I need you to help me to live as I know that you've called me to live. And God, here's the other thing. God, I want you to help me to not make plans to enjoy evil. I'm going to talk about this for a second. I was been walking through this series with my boys uh, on pornography. It's by John Bevere in... Uh, John Bevere uh, put this whole video series together. In fact, if you know somebody that's struggling in that area at all or in lust, it's a great series. You can just type in John Bevere online. Just put porn course in there. I know you're like, can I really Google that? Just put, um, it'll, it'll pull up the right thing in there. Just make sure you, when you click it, it says John Bevere, Messenger Inter- International. Okay, that's the name of his uh, ministry, Messenger International. Because I want to give you some help. Because I know... That stats tell me that in the church, porn is a really big problem. Not just with men, with ladies. We have more young girls becoming addicted to porn than ever before. This is no longer just a male problem. This is a male and a female problem. Pornography is running amok in our culture, and it's unfortunately running amok even throughout the church. And, And John... Uh, Bevere tells his story about how he was struggling with it earlier in his ministry. Yes, in his ministry. And he was talking about how he was struggling with it, and he said, you know, I I had an opportunity to have an evangelist pray for me, this really well-known evangelist who had led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. And he said, man, this evangelist had, had, had people healed through his ministry. He's like, he's like, this guy was a legit straight up like man of God evangelist. And he said, if I can just get around him and have him lay hands on me and pray for me, I can be set free from pornography. So he uh, ends up chauffeuring this past or this evangelist. And, and at the end of that moment, he's taking him back to the airport. And he, the evangelist says something like, hey, is there anything I can be praying with you about? And John starts sharing his story. And the evangelist says, man, I want to pray over you. And they have this really powerful moment. And John says, I'm crying. And I mean, just, I mean, he's like, it was powerful. And he says, I, I left that moment. He's like, I'm free. I'm free from this finally. And he said, later that week, he said, I was struggling again with it. And he said, I was so mad and so angry and like, God, like I prayed and I asked and all these things. And like, I just don't understand, like, why am I still struggling with this thing? And and the Lord spoke to him and said, it's because you still enjoy it. And John talks about in this video, he says, it wasn't until I realized that I had to stop enjoying the sin to be set free from the sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because this was a huge thing when I, when I was sharing this with my boys and even, even myself. We've got to stop enjoying sin. And, and when I read this, I thought instantly of that, that story that John was sharing. Because it says, but ask the Lord, which is what we do all the time. God, set me free from this. Please, God, help me in this to help you live as you should. But then he go, it continues, don't make plans to enjoy evil. See, some of us, what we do is we say, God, please set me free from this. Set me free from whatever it is. You fill in the blank of the addiction, the struggle, the evil thing that you're struggling with. It, maybe it's not porn. Maybe it's not lust. Maybe it's not even addiction. You, you fill it in. God, please set me free from this. Fill in the blank. But in the back of your mind, you're enjoying that sin. In the back of your mind, you're still not, you're not treating it like, dude, I hate that. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. When you see that, something comes up, you're like, ooh, I enjoy that. But no, I've been set free from that. But you enjoy it. But I've been set free from that. Yeah, I enjoy it. But I've been set free from that. God is saying to you and I, stop enjoying him. Stop making plans to enjoy it. Some of us, it's like, you know what you need to do? If pornography has been an issue in your life and you're like, then find the source. What is it? Is it your computer? Then get rid of your computer. If it's your phone, then get rid of your phone. Well, Pastor Brian, that's just being legalistic. I don't care what it is. Stop making plans to enjoy it. 
Stop putting yourself around that girl at work or that guy at work that has been catching your eye and you're like, man, maybe, you know, and, and you kind of put yourself around them and you, you're at the water cooler when they happen to be at the water cooler or you're on the Zoom call and you stay a little bit later after the Zoom call, she's on, you're on, you're like, hey, I like your dress today. And she's like, oh, thank you. And you're like, oh yeah, you look really good. You know, that dress would look really nice on my wife because you got to say something like that so that you know she knows, but no, 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 no. You're making plans to enjoy evil. Man, I could, I could, I could talk about this a, long, a lot longer, but we ain't got time. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so influenced by things around me. Here we go. Step number three, step number three, here we go. Um, it says, and put on the armor of right living as we who live in the daylight should. Let me say it again. Put on. There is a response that is needed. You and I can be set free. Listen, it's time to wake up. It's time to quit evil. So how do we do it? We put on. We put it on. We put on the armor of right living as we live in the daylight should. See, here's what we need to understand. God wants us to be presence carriers. God wants you and I to be victorious in the battle that we're called to. And some of us, we're sleeping in the trenches. Some of us, we're not ready in the trenches. It's like, it's like going into battle with your swimsuit on. And you're like, and people are like, dude, what are you doing? Well, I'm ready, I'm ready. You're not ready. Now, I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I actually like the movie Gladiator. I know some of you are like, dude, that's so bloody, so violent. I know I shouldn't, but I did. And I liked it. <laughs> but they gave Maximus this breastplate. had two horses on it, right? And it was like this moment. Maximus would come out. He's got his helmet on. He pulls it off. And I am Aurelius Maximus, leader of the armies. All these things. I'm like, yeah, you are. Oh, you're a warrior. You're, you're awesome. So here's a, every morning. It's like, let's get up and let's look in the mirror and be like, I am Brian Henley. I'm a warrior, right? I know some of you are laughing, but I'm just, I'm being serious. Like, it's like get up in the mirror and just be like, mm, I'm ready today. I'm ready to take on the world today. And so what do we do? Ephesians 6, here's what it says. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to what? Stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You and I need to get up every morning and be like, I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior, and today I'm going into battle. And today I'm going to put on the necessary stuff because I know the enemy is going to come and kill me. Because the enemy wants to, catch, he wants to put you in the ring and unleash everything he can at you to destroy your life. And he wants you to think that he's just playing around, not a big deal. We're going to use Nerf guns in this war. He ain't using no Nerf guns against you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your mind, your thoughts. He wants to destroy you in your workplace. He wants to get you addicted to everything around you and get you confused about everything that's around you, even your own identity. He wants to destroy your life, but you and I can have victory in Christ. Why? Because step three, we can put on the full armor, the armor of God in our lives. So what do we do? It's like every morning, it's like, I'm going to put on the belt of truth. And what is the belt of truth? The belt of truth is the confidence of knowing that today my life is confident in the truth of God's word. So I know I'm going into the battle. I'm protected. Because why? I have God's truth that tells me I'm protected. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's just one of them right off the bat. That's a truth that every morning you can choose to put on goes on to say the breastplate of righteousness. Now this is, this is where God's righteousness guards our hearts from the attacks of the enemy. Because the enemy wants to come in and be like, you're a failure, you're nothing, you can't do it, you're not good enough. And God comes in and says, no, no, you are, you are found right in me. I have made you right. 
I am your righteousness. God wants to protect us from the evil that's around us so that we can then remain holy. The goal is not to see how much sin we can do and still be called sons and daughters of the king. The goal is is to be holy, to be more like him. goes on to say the gospel shoes of peace. And, And here's what I thought of when I was thinking about the gospel shoes of peace. God has given us peace in the midst of the unknown and the anxiety of life. And you've got to put it on in the morning. Because here's what I know. Right now, in this time, there's never been more anxiety and more lack of peace than right now. We don't know. Every day seems to change. I'll be honest with you. Almost every day, I don't spend a lot of time, but a lot of times I'll get on, I'll at least check Fox News one time or CNN just to see that the world did not blow up. And I'm like, okay, the world didn't blow up. But then normally, you know what happens? All of a sudden I start scrolling through and all of a sudden anxiety can start hitting me because all of a sudden all these things that are happening around the world, in India right now, COVID's going crazy, people are dying, I feel a weight with that. So what do I do with that weight? Do I carry that weight or do I put on the gospel shoes of peace that say the very thing that I need to be doing is taking that weight that I feel over India right now and I walk it to the foot of the cross and I put it down at the foot of the cross and I say, God, that's not mine to carry, but I am gonna pray for the people in India right now who are facing this horrible virus that's killing people, people that you love, people that were created in your image. I'm gonna take peace today. Choose peace. Choose to walk in peace. The next is, is um, think about the helmet of salvation. What is the helmet of salvation? And here's, when I was sitting here thinking through this, the helmet of salvation is this. The helmet of salvation is where we are focused on this truth. The battle has already been won. Do you know that's what salvation is? God taking care of it, not because you earned it, taking care of all of it. You and I can be confident in salvation. It's like every day I'm put on the helmet of salvation. Okay, so God, right now, today, I'm confident in who you are. I'm confident that you've already won the battle. So then we take up the, what? The shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? The shield of faith is the very thing that protects us from the attack of the enemy. And here's the thing. If right now in your life you're not being attacked by the enemy, then that means you're not a threat. And the question is, is why are you not a threat? I would say it's because you're not doing what God's asked you to do. Don't be surprised when the enemy starts attacking you. Count it all joy. That's what the Bible says. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trials and tribulations. Is it because we're like, oh, I'm so glad that life is not going well? No, it's like, I'm so glad that the enemy sees me as a threat because of who I serve. And we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is hidden, which is where we hide God's word in our heart. And why do we hide it in God's word in our heart? So that when we need to battle, we just pull it out. It's like God's word just comes out like a sword. I'm battling, I'm battling. It's truth. I know what God's truth is because I've hidden it in my heart. We talked about that last, or the week before last. Hey, on a side note, didn't Pastor Eric just do a phenomenal job last week with the message? Come on. That man right there. I was watching uh, online and I was just so proud of him sharing his story. And when he's running around with that kite up on the stage, I was like, man, that's good. It was good. I love visuals like that. And if you don't know, Pastor Eric is like, the, he is a genius at word pictures. And I really love word pictures. So Pastor Eric will come to me all the time. He's like, you know, this is what I was thinking about. It's kind of like this. And I'm like, that's so good. So good. So you know what you should do? You should take Pastor Eric out for dinner, take his family out for dinner, help him move, all those things. It's going to be great so that you can spend more time and hear more of Pastor Eric's word pictures. He's got a bunch of projects around the church that he wants your help with. So men, ladies, you're good at that kind of stuff. Come see Pastor Eric after the gathering because you want to hang out with that dude. And how do you do it? Ask him out for dinner. Say, I'll serve alongside of you. 
Do something like that. It's really good. All right, here we go. Back to my notes. little side plug for you there, Pastor Eric. I love you. He's a good man. Step four, B. B. See, here's what I love is that Paul's reminding us that we can be who God's called us to be, actually. So how do we do it? It says, be decent and true in everything you do so that all can approve your behavior. Be who God's called you to be. And if you'll be who God's called you to be, you'll be decent and you'll be true. And in those moments, other people will look at your life and they'll say, oh, I want what they have. Other people will see Christ through you because they'll look at you and they'll say, oh, that person right there is decent and they're true and everything that they do, and I approve of that type of behavior. The problem that the world has with the church is just they see us doing one thing and saying another thing. If we could just line those up with God's word and be who God's called us to be, the world would say, I want what you have. Be who God's called you to be. Step number five is don't. I know we don't like this because it's like, I don't like being told not what not to do. But this isn't don't because God's just some cosmic killjoy up in heaven. It's because God actually is saying don't do this because it's actually going to bring destruction to your life. So he says, don't spend your time in wild parties, getting drunk or in adultery and lust or fighting or jealousy. Don't. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Now, some of you, you immediately said, well, that's good. I don't do that. I don't go to wild parties. I'm not someone who's going out getting drunk. I'm not cheating on my spouse. I don't struggle with lust. I'm not really fighting. I'm not really jealousy. Here, let me, let me just, let me talk about a different type of party. What about a wild party of gossip? Here, here, here's how it happens in the church. Like, a bunch of people get together in group. They're like, dude, we're all connected in community. It's good. It's good. And then someone says, you know what? I have a prayer request. Are we taking prayer requests? Is this the time right now for prayer requests? Yes, this is the time for prayer requests. Okay. Well, I heard that so-and-so was really dealing with this. And uh, I heard their marriage is not doing really well. And um, I just think that we should really be praying for them because, because I, I heard that he was cheating on her. I mean, say, is that, is that really a wild party? <laughs> For some, it is. And then so-and-so was like, yeah, you know what? I got some information to add to that. You know, I saw him at the grocery store the other day, and there was some lady, and she was really close to him and walking by him almost the entire time, and it was not his wife. I'm pretty sure that that may be the lady that he was hanging out with. And then that person, you know, do you see what I'm saying? It just, it just spreads. All of a sudden, people start putting in information. None of it even connects. The lady who was maybe sitting there walking by him and all these just happened to be walking by him and all these. But we connect all these dots. We put all these things in there. Why? Because the wild party is the party of our tongue. Now, I know we don't like hearing this, but let me just say it. The Bible actually says the most powerful thing that you and I have is the tongue. In fact, the tongue has the power to tear people down or build people up. The tongue has the power to actually uh, extinguish a fire a fire or actually build it back up. The rudder to steer a ship is what the Bible talks about. Those are all the word pictures the Bible gives us about the tongue, the power of the tongue. I'm telling you, let's be people who are people of prayer in a real way. I'm not saying don't pray, pray. But you know, we can even pray for one another and still hold confidence for that person. Even when you hear something, you can pray for them in a way that sets them free rather than putting them in captivity. I don't want, I wouldn't want all my junk out there in front of everybody. Now sometimes I just say it. Because I want us all to know that we're not all perfect. None of us are. None of us is perfect but God. But we can be who God's called us to be and we can stay away from sin. Don't. Why? 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Step six, and we already did this, but ask. But ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should and don't make plans to enjoy evil. At the first part of my message, I, um, I said, do you remember when your kids, when you have to get your kids 
up in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Monday through Friday, you're trying to get them to get up for school. You're trying to get them up for church, and you go in, and you, you try to wake them up, and it's really hard to get them up. Even think about yourself. It's hard for many of us to get up in the morning and wake up. But I, but I want you to think about something. Do you remember Christmas Day? You know what I'm talking about? Christmas Day, right? Christmas Day. Christmas Day, something's different on Christmas Day. I don't have to go into the room and, you know, drag the boys out of bed and they're, Christmas. No, my boys are like, boom, up. It's Christmas Day, right? They're up. They're excited. They're ready. Many times they're sitting there knocking on the door. Mom, Dad, come on. It's 6 o'clock. You said at 6 o'clock we can open up our Christmas presents. Come on. Open up the door. Please, please, please. They are up. They are ready. They're excited for the day, right? Come on. You've been right there. We've all been there. Christmas morning. And the thing that we're so excited about is we're excited to receive gifts and we're excited to do what? Give gifts. Because there's an excitement there, right? Like, I love getting gifts on Christmas, and I love giving gifts on Christmas. So when my kids come in, they're like, Dad, come on, come on, it's time. We got to go. It's present time. Come on, let's do this. And as they've gotten older, it's just a more cool way. Hey, Dad, we're going to open up those presents. You'd be really cool. Right? We kind of put it there. But inside, it's like a little kid. Like, I'm so excited. It gets, I, I can't wait to open up these presents. It's going to be awesome. And I had this thought today. What if that's how we woke up? What if instead of waking up, like, oh, man, I got to get up. What if, what if we literally got up like, whoa, I'm so pumped. I'm so ready to give and to receive. Today's a new day. I'm going to give out. I'm going to lead people to Christ. I'm going to share my story. Man, I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous with love, with patience, with kindness. Man, I'm I'm just going to give it away. It's like Christmas morning. And then in that, you still said, I'm going to receive as well. What if we treated life like Christmas morning rather than like just a normal everyday? And that one thought, I think, can change this passage of Scripture for us. When Paul says, wake up, the question is, is will you wake up like it's Christmas? Or you wake up like it's an ordinary every day? I hope that every day you wake up saying, today's the day. Today's the day where I'm going to be able to give away. Today's the day where I'm going to be able to receive. Today's the day where I can wake up, where I can quit evil where I can put on, where I can be who God's called me to be, where I don't have to be like the world and the things around me. I can simply ask God to help me. And I won't make plans to enjoy evil. See, Jesus has already won the battle, and there's so much that we get to discover about who he is and what he has for our lives. The question is, is how will you treat the day? I want us to pray this morning. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I have a simple question. It's a question that I asked first gathering. I'm going to ask again today. This question isn't just for those who are here in the building. This question is for those who are watching online as well right now. And it's a question of do you know him? Today people celebrated and remembered and went public with their faith today because they had an encounter just like this right here. A moment where they said, Jesus... I surrender. Forgive me of my sin and change my life. And in that moment, everything changed because they simply asked. And in asking, they received. And God today is saying, if you'll ask, you can receive. And if you have never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life and you haven't received him as Lord of your life, then today's your day. It's your moment. Right now, God wants to set you free from sin. He wants to set you free from things you've been addicted to. And God today is saying, listen, I have all the freedom you need. All you got to do is ask. So if today that's you, you'd say, you know what, Pastor Brian? I don't have a relationship with Jesus personally. You may know about him. 
Maybe you even in some ways have walked away from him. You've been choosing to do some things on your own and you've walked away and today the Holy Spirit is speaking and saying, this is your moment. This is a moment right now for you to return back to God. Simply ask. And if that's you real quick, I'm just gonna ask you to do one thing. I'm just gonna ask you just to real quick raise your hand. Just say, that's me. I need to pray that prayer today. I'm gonna take that step today. That's me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just say, that's me. All right, maybe there's some who are joining online. You're saying, that's me. And you just put it right now in the comments. You'd say, that's me right now. I'm taking that step. I want us to all repeat this with me, if you would, just a simple prayer. Because I believe that there are people who are online who are watching this. There will be people later who are going to take this step. And maybe it may even come when we share this message and we say, you know what? This is a great message. You should hear it. And we share it with a friend and they take that step. And this is your moment right now. This is that moment that your friend's been praying for. This is that moment that others have been believing for and praying for. A moment for you to be set free from sin. So we're going to join with you and we're going to pray this prayer together. Let's say it together. Say, Jesus, right now, I admit I've done things wrong. I can't do this on my own. So I need your help. Would you forgive me of my sin, of the things that keep me separate from you? From this day forward, I want to live for you. I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.